Hi, everybody, and welcome back to session two of our covenant series. And today we'll be looking at a very interesting covenant, which is the Noahic covenant, the covenant that God made with Noah. Now, if you have your Bibles, you turn with me now to Genesis chapter 8. We're going to be reading from verse 15 until chapter 9, verse 17. So listen to this interesting story. Genesis chapter 8, verse 15. And then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground, so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, and all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on land came out of the ark, one kind after another. And then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Now, that's a description of the fallenness of man. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Chapter 9. And then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. It's almost like a repeat of uh, the creation account. The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and on all the birds in the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground, and on all the, the fish in the sea, they are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you, just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal and from each human being too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever shed human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number, multiply on the earth and increase upon it. And then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds and the livestock and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood, and never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creature of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. And whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God 
and all the living creatures of every kind on the earth. And so God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. Amen. Let's bow and we have a word of prayer. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you open our eyes to behold wonderful things from the Noah covenant. God, enable us to see what a gracious God you are. And may this covenant and the knowledge of this covenant just bring comfort to our hearts. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the most amazing stories in the Old Testament was about a man called Noah who built a boat in the middle of dry land. And this boat became known as Noah's Ark. This story is so significant that the Bible actually devoted several chapters in the book of Genesis, from Genesis chapter 6 all the way to chapter 9 to record the details. Now, the question is this, what led to the building of this ark? Now, firstly, it was because of a world of evil. Now, with the fallen nature, mankind became more and more sinful. And as we heard from the last session, how God then established the Adamic covenant. And God already have a redemption plan in mind. And as the redemption plan begins to unfold, we come to the place where the, the part that Noah actually played. And it was actually a, a particularly decadent time in human history. You know, violence, sexual depravity was rampant at that time. And I think the people really crossed the line when they departed from the order of God and there was cross-pollination between man and angels. Uh, when, when did this happen? It was found in Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 where the scripture recorded, when human beings begin to increase in number on the earth and the daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of the humans were beautiful and they married anyone that they choose. See, what happened was the sons of God, which referred to angelic beings, begin to see that the daughters of humans were beautiful and then they cross-pollinated. This cross-breathing actually gave rise to a group of people called the Nephilims. And this word Nephilim actually means the fallen ones. And in some sense, this is a false imitation of the virgin birth of Christ. Now, why do I say that? You see, think about this. These women at that time in Genesis chapter 6, they were impregnated by spirit beings, okay? Because angels are spirit beings. Just as Christ was born, not of man, but born of the Holy Spirit. And this is when mankind, and therefore you can see that there was, this, there was this false imitation of the virgin birth. And that was when mankind crossed the line. And that was when God declared in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal, and their days will be a hundred and twenty years. So what God was saying at that point, when God saw that man crossed the line, and there was cross-breathing um, breathing between angels and, and mankind, God said, no more. Enough is enough. This cannot go on forever. Their days will be 120 years. And true enough, according to the Word of God, 120 years later, the flood came. 
And then you find in Genesis 6, 5, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race has become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. You know, they reached that stage where every thought was evil and it was all the time. That's as bad as it can get. It was so bad that it led to one of the saddest verses you can find in the Bible, Genesis 6.6. The Lord regretted, wow, the Lord regretted that He had made human beings on the earth and His heart was deeply troubled. What a tragic situation. But you know, from that point on, for the next 120 years, until the flood came, God gave mankind a chance to turn back to Him. But none of them did, except for one. Against that backdrop of darkness, over the next 120 years, there was one man that stood out, and his name was Noah. He was one man that literally bucked the trend of society. And in Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, we were told, Noah was a righteous man, blameless amongst the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. And that was why Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. He became a friend of God. And then God began to confide in Noah, and God told him that he was going to destroy the earth and start all over. God actually told Noah in Genesis 7, verse 4, He says, seven days from now, I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. But not only will God destroy a world full of evil, but He will also provide Noah with a way of escape. So what God told Noah to do was to build an ark, right, with water-resistant cypress wood, and actually seal the whole boat with peach, on the inside and the outside. That can only be the wisdom of God that God downloaded to Noah and Noah knew exactly what to do. And this boat, according to its description in, in the Bible, must have three decks, the, the Lord said. And without, there is enough weight in that boat uh, from the animals and from the food that was stored to actually make the ark very stable throughout the storm. You know, God even gave Noah all the dimensions so that he will be able to survive that massive flood. Now, I, I think this is so incredible to know that we serve that amazing God that, that took care of everything. Do you know that the ark's dimension that was given by the Lord, 300 cubits long, 50 cubits wide, and 30 cubits high, uh, which means that the ark's length is about six times in width and 10 times in its height. Now, this is the proportion, do you know, that modern shipbuilding is actually based on. It is probably the best proportion to actually keep the ark stable and to prevent it from capsizing. What an incredible God we serve. And Genesis chapter 6, verse 22, tell us this, that Noah did everything as the Lord commanded him. And then in Genesis chapter 7, what God said began to unfold. See, God told Noah in Genesis 7, verse 1, Now go into the ark, you and your whole family, which includes his wife, 
his two sons and their eight wives. And, 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 and their wives. In other words, uh, not eight wives, and their wives. Which means what? Eight people in total. Okay? Noah and his wife, his three sons and their wives. So you make a total of eight. Now, isn't it interesting to me? It's so interesting that the Chinese character for, 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 for boat, and, and you, we all know that Chinese characters are actually based on pictures, right? And uh, the Chinese character for boat actually consists of a word, one word for vessel and another for eight, you know, and then another for mouth, you know, the, the mouth. So it actually depicts a vessel filled with eight mouths. So I think that is a wonderful picture of what happened in Noah's time. Now, along with his family, we were told, Noah was told specifically to bring along with him seven pairs of clean animals and birds and one pair of unclean animals of every kind. Now, Noah need not go and find them, but God actually sent them to Noah. Now, that makes sense because all of creation belongs to God. So God summoned all these different animals and they all make their way to Noah. And it took them seven days to get into the ark. And then the flood came. Forty days and forty nights, the heavens were pouring out rain and the springs of the earth was bursting from beneath. And as a result, after that forty days of, of, uh, of, of all the water that came from above, from below, after forty days and forty nights, the water stayed on the earth for 150 days. It covered the earth, destroying every living thing except those who are in the ark. And it's interesting, brothers and sisters, to note that God was a divine initiator of everything. God was the one who told Noah to build the ark. God was the one who sent the animals to the ark. He told Noah to get into the ark. He shut the door to the ark. He opened the heavens above and the springs beneath. God was the one who stopped the rain. He closed the springs of the deep after 40 days and 40 nights. And then he remembered Noah and then he sent the wind to actually dry up the water after that. See, and everything was initiated by God. God was the one who did everything. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 1, finally, after all that time of waiting, the, then Genesis 8, 1 says this, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. You know, it says God remembered Noah. Now, please understand the word remembered does not mean that God has forgotten about Noah. And then suddenly he remembered Noah. No, now, that, but of course it would have been easy for Noah to think that he was forgotten. Because after all that time of waiting, after more than a year in the ark, but our God is not Forgetful, that word to remember does not mean to recall the mind, but rather to renew the relationship. God renewed that relationship with Noah. Okay? And in the fullness of time, what God did was He rekindled that relationship with Noah. Now, the same idea uh, is applied to the Holy Communion when we where we are to do all that, right? We are to, to do the Holy Communion in remembrance of Christ. Now, that does not necessarily mean that 
Uh, it is only during Holy Communion that we recall what He did on the cross. We should always have that in our hearts. But it is using that moment, using the time of uh, when we carry out the sacrament to actually renew our relationship with Him. And that was, that was what happened in Genesis chapter 8. God began to come to Noah and begin to renew His relationship with Him. And that was when God caused the ark to land safely on the mountains of Ararat. Now, do you know that even the day the ark landed on Mount Ararat was determined by God? It was very, very specific. Genesis chapter 8, verse 4 tells us this. And on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. Now, do you, do you know that in the Jewish calendar, that was the exact day. It would have coincided with the day when Jesus rose from the dead. You know, it, it would be the day of resurrection in the Jewish calendar. What a beautiful picture of the day when judgment is over and new life has begun. Hallelujah. See, as the waters be, slowly begin to recede after they landed on Mount Ararat, what no one did then was to send out two birds. If you remember the story, he sent out a raven and a dove to the opening at the top of the ark. So he, he sent out these two birds and the purpose was to find out how much the flood has receded. Why? Because the raven is an unclean bird that fed on carcasses uh, as it kept flying back and forth, back and forth, feeding and then returning, feeding and then returning. Uh, until the waters had receded to the ground. And then it never came back. So what's the point? When that happened, so when, when um, the, the raven keep coming back and forth, then no one knows that the waters are still there and the carcasses are still floating around and the ravens keep coming back and forth. After feeding, it comes back to the ark. After feeding, it comes back to the ark. When the ravens stop coming back, then you know that the waters have receded. But Noah actually sent a dove also that avoids dead animals. It's a clean animal. So it avoids dead animals. And if they cannot find anywhere to land, they will keep coming back to the ark. So all these were signs that Noah used to actually tell him the level of the flood waters. And then you notice when the dove keeps coming back to the ark, then Noah will wait seven more days. And finally the day came when the ark came back with an olive leaf. And then Noah knew that the trees are starting to grow. See, the dove with an olive leaf is often used to symbolize peace. But I actually think that it is more a symbol of promise. More than peace, it's a symbol of promise because it speaks of new life. See, it is a picture of the Holy Spirit who came to bring us new life in Christ. Then he waited another seven days after the olive leaf came back. And then he sent the dove out again. And this time, it did not return. And then Noah knew that the earth is ready again to be inhabited. See? And that was when God spoke in Genesis 8, verse 16 and 17. Listen to this. Don't miss this. Then the Lord said, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground, so that they can multiply on the earth, be fruitful and increase in number on it. And that was when Noah 
begin to come out and mankind could restart again. But what is interesting is, what is the first thing that Noah did when he stepped out of the ark? I find it interesting that he first thing he did, he built an altar to the Lord. And I think this is testimony of the spiritual orientation of this man. You know, if it were me, I think I may think of safety first or food or shelter. But Noah, first thing he did, he built an altar to the Lord and he began to make animal sacrifices. And you know what? That brought so much pleasure to the heart of God. Then God then gave Noah this covenantal promise that he will never again destroy mankind with the flood. Now, you notice that this is totally out of the grace of God. Why do I say that? It's because man did not deserve it at all. The truth is man has not changed. His fallen nature is still there. Every inclination of the human heart is still evil like before from the fallen sin nature. It is still the same. But God in His grace says, I will no longer destroy mankind. I will never do this again. So look at Genesis 8 verse 21. When the Lord made that covenantal promise, He says, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. You see, so nothing really has changed. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. What a promise. And therefore we know God will not do this again. And then God gave more details in verse 11, Genesis 9, 11. He goes on to say this, I will establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. And never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. Now, this does not mean that there will never be floods on earth again because there still are floods today, right? But there will never be one like Genesis 6 that will literally destroy the entire earth. Now, how long is this promise going to last? Genesis 8.22 tell us this, as long as the earth endures, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. So what the Lord is promising us is this, as long as the earth remains. Is the earth still remaining? Absolutely. And as long as the earth remains, these four things will never change. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer, winter, day and night. In other words, everything that God put together for the universe, it will continue to function. See, and not only did God promise that He will never destroy the earth with the flood, but He also ensured us that climatic conditions will enable food production to never cease. And I want you to know, brothers and sisters, this is true right up to today because we serve a covenant-keeping God. Do you realize that there is actually enough resources to feed everyone on earth? There is enough resource. There should not be any famine, provided we are prepared to distribute food production fairly. I think there is enough if we are willing not to prioritize profit over people. Like for example, producing, where if we are willing to produce food crops rather than cash crop, we would have enough to feed the whole earth. 
So it is not the lack of resources that is the problem, but it is the abundance of greed in the hearts of men. That is the root of the problem. And that is why you look at the world today. One part of the world is trying to lose weight because of obesity, and the other part is trying to just put on some just to stay alive because of starvation. The problem is not scarcity, but it is a lack of sharing. Why? Because God has guaranteed that life will go on. There will be enough for food production because the earth will continue to function. And then God began to press the restart button. After He gave man this covenantal promise that there will always be enough, He pressed the restart button and He made a covenant with Noah to relaunch mankind. See, Genesis 9 verse 1, Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. It's a restart because this was exactly what God said to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 1. But this time, as God began to restart mankind, you notice there were three new things that were introduced to the Noahic covenant. And these three new things is in relation to three things. Number one, fear. Number two is food. And the third is the flesh. Okay, fear, food and flesh. Let's take a look at them one at a time. Firstly, it's fear. He said that animals will still be subjected to man, but not through trust, but through fear now. You see, prior to that, when God first created Adam and Eve and put him in the Garden of Eden, man and animals were, were coexisting in a very peaceful environment. You know, and there was trust between man and animals. In fact, Adam get to name all the animals, isn't it? But now, in this restart, animals will still be subjected to men, but it is not through trust, but now it is through fear. And that is why now there is an inbuilt relationship of fear between man and nature, right? Uh, in, in a fallen creation, this fear, I think, is put in there for the safety of men. Okay? Now that the earth has fallen, it is good that we are cautious, you see, and there is a, there is a fear that relationship that exists between man and nature. That's one, fear. The second is to do with food. Now, in the Garden of Eden, mankind was vegetarian. See, but now, after the flood, mankind became carnivorous. See, before the flood, animals were only used for animal sacrifices. It is meant for God. But now, it becomes food for men. Now, this is not to say that Man should be vegetarian. Why? Because God actually made it clear in Genesis chapter 9, verse 3, that God did not disapprove of us eating animals. Why? Because in Genesis 9, 3, God went on to say in this restart, everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. So the good news for us Chinese, we are okay. Okay, we are all right to eat things that moves. Okay, so now um, food have, our food have changed. Okay, fear, food. And the third has to do with the flesh. We can now eat meat, but we must not eat meat with blood in it, where the life, where the blood life is still in it. Why? Because life is in the blood. Okay, when, when our blood is all drained out of us, what's happening? Life is being drained out of us. 
See, life is in the blood. And the point is that we must not eat an animal while it is still alive, while the blood is still in it. It is to, it, what is the purpose of that? Why did God put that in, in this relaunch of mankind? I think it's because we need to learn to respect the sanctity of life. See, but God also made it clear that the eating of meat does not apply to human flesh. Okay, we are not given that liberty to eat one another. Why? Because unlike animals, man is made in the image of God. And that is why, brothers and sisters, the killing of another man is murder. See, and this is the first time you notice uh, in Genesis 9 that capital punishment is being mentioned in the Bible. See, before this, Cain and Lamech, uh, we need to know, right? Cain and Lamech already committed murder prior to this, okay, before the flood. Okay, Cain committed murder, Lamech committed murder, but they did not suffer capital punishment. Okay? There was nothing done to them. But now after the flood, God instituted this. It is one life for one life. Take a look at Genesis 9 verse 6. Now he goes on to say, Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For it is in the image of God that God made mankind. So capital punishment it's not there for reformation. It is not there for restitution, but it is to uphold the sacredness of life. Now, let me say it one more time. This is so important. Capital punishment was instituted by God, not so much for reformation or for restitution, but it is to uphold the sacredness of life. It is because man is made in the image of God. So if you destroy another human life, it is sacrilegious because man is made in the image of God. God made an everlasting covenant with Noah that never again will he destroy mankind through a flood. Okay, and this, this is what the Noah covenant is rooted in. He promised it, and not only did he promise it, but he sealed it with a sign. What is that sign? That God will always be merciful towards us, despite our inclination of our heart being evil. That sign is the rainbow, right? The rainbow became a symbol of God's promise to us that this will never happen again. Now, look at Genesis 9, verse 16 to 17 now. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and I will remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. And, and bear this in mind, that the rainbow was not a sign for man to see, it's really for God to see. God said this, right? I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all the living creatures of every kind on the earth. And that is why I think for many of us as believers, Whenever we see the rainbow after the storm, we always remember too that this is a sign that God's grace will always be upon all of mankind. That God is preserving us. But for what? It is so that we can have a chance to return to Him. See, I think when God held back the flood for 120 years, 
What was it for? Is to give man a chance to return to Him. And today, God is also holding back judgment. For what? It's so that we can have a chance to return to Him. God's will is that none should perish, but all should come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And He gave us that guarantee in His promise, and then He sealed it with a sign. And that sign is a sign of the rainbow. And every time it rains and we see a rainbow in the sky, we are reminded that we are on borrowed time, that God is waiting for man to return back to Him. But you know what? The rainbow that we see now in the sky after the rain is only in part because we are looking forward to the final rainbow in heaven. Because in Revelation 4.3, it tells us this, that the one who sat there, that's referring to Jesus, our, our Lord, had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald and circled, and circled the throne. Which means what? There is that final rainbow that all of us will get to see when we see Jesus face to face. And as Christians today, we can take comfort in this, that from Genesis all the way to Revelation, the rainbow will be there. It is the unchanging, unending grace of God that will sustain us from the beginning to the end. It is a reminder to all of us that He will remain faithful to the covenant He made with Noah because our God is a covenant-keeping God. And that is why we are still here despite man's sinful inclination. This is the everlasting Noahic covenant. Now, let me end with this. Can you imagine watching this old man building an ark in the middle of a desert? The people at that time must have been curious as they watched this massive construction coming up. I think many of them at the beginning must have debated about what it was. You know, is it a house? Is it a temple? Is it a public square? What is that? And when they realized that it was a boat, I think they must have laughed at Noah. A boat in the middle of dry land? What's the point? But you know what? Their curiosity turned to ridicule. And their ridicule turned to insult. Insult turned to dis despise. And they despise to turned to total rejection. And after a while, at first it was, they were just curious. Then when they realized what this was, they ridiculed him. And then slowly they insulted him. And then they come to a point where they just totally despised him. And they just totally rejected him. And after that, they just ignored Noah and they went on with their life until the flood came. And I think that was why Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 37 to 39, listen to what Jesus said, and it's describing our time. Jesus said, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying, giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. As it was in the days of Noah, you know what? We can expect 
that it will happen again in the end times. We are living in days when spiritual darkness will increase, violence will rise, people will turn to the occult, they will seek to go against God's natural order. Look at the world culture we live in today. The world laughs at the righteousness of God. But I want you to know, judgment is coming. For centuries, God has extended His grace to mankind because His desire is that none should perish, but all will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But don't get, in, don't get this wrong. There will be a judgment day when sins must be accounted for. But the good news I have for you is this, that God already made a way of escape to the sacrificial death of Christ on the cross. Jesus Christ is our ark that will keep us safe from the flood that is to come. Christ is the refuge that we must run to. He is the fortress that we must lean to, that we can run to, to avoid the fire that is coming. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 and 27, tell us this. Though God may never destroy, again with flood, there can be a, there, but there is a consuming fire that is coming. Listen to Hebrews 10, verse 26 and 27. If we keep, deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. And brothers and sisters, I need to warn all of us, myself included, that we need to prepare for what is to come. Like Noah of old, building an ark on dry land because he knew a flood was coming. I need to tell all of us that we need to run to our ark who is Jesus Christ because there is a judgment that is coming. How do we prepare for this? Live in Christ. Get into the ark, who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Live consecrated lives, my brothers and sisters, where we would feed the Spirit and stuff the flesh. We need to do that. All the more as we see the end coming, as we look at how the, where the world is going, all the more we need to go in the opposite spirit. I think this is the best time for all of us to live missional lives that will bring others into the ark before it is too late. In short, this is what we need to do. Let's grow deeper in our relationship with God and let's go missional so that the world will have a chance to know Jesus Christ, the ark of the covenant, that all of us will be found in Him. Amen. Let's bow and we will have a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord. You know, before I pray, this morning, there may be some of us here, you could be tuning in, uh, whether you're uh, in SEC or maybe tuning in from elsewhere, even outside of Australia. I want you to know that we serve a God who is a covenant-keeping God. And this covenant-keeping God wants to have already have a redemption plan that He has executed. And on that cross, Jesus made it possible for all of us to have our sins forgiven so that we can run to Him who is the ark. And in Him, we will find refuge from the coming judgment. And if you are here today watching this and you have not personally received Jesus Christ 
as your Lord and Saviour. I want you to know that He is our ark and we can run to Him. Today, if you'll be willing to pray this prayer after me, I want to pray, I want to lead you in this prayer where you can pray and receive Jesus into your life and let Jesus become your ark and you can take refuge in Him. Let Him come into your life and give you peace, love, joy and hope and have you, let Him come, be your Saviour who could save you from all of your sin, that could forgive you of all that you have done wrong and give you a fresh start in life. If you want to pray that prayer and you're willing this morning, you say, Pastor Benny, pray for me, help me. I want to know Jesus as my personal Lord and Saviour. Then would you just bow your hearts and then let me lead you in a prayer to personally receive Jesus into your life. If you're willing, then you can pray this after me. So pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, yeah, just out loud, pray it out. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. My life is full of sin. But this morning, I want to come to you because you are my ark. I know that you are, you have come. You died on the cross so that my sins can be forgiven. Today I come to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Make me a new person. Come into my life. Give me your love, your joy and your peace. I thank you for the promise in your Bible that if I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, then I'm safe. This morning, I believe in my heart that Jesus came to save me and I confess with my mouth that He is my Lord and my Saviour. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. I receive your love, your joy, and your peace. Make me a new person. Help me to know you from this day on. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. If you believe the prayer you just prayed, I want you to know Jesus come into your life right now. Forgive you of all your sin and make you His son, make you His daughter. And if you have prayed that prayer and you would like to receive um, uh, some materials from us and so that we can also help you uh, to understand the decision you just made, then you could just um, put a, a note in the comment, uh, put in your email and just say, you know, um, I, I, I would like to be contacted and, and one of our people will contact you and make sure that you understand the decision you just made. But we praise God if you have prayed that prayer and we welcome you into the kingdom of God. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Amen.